Hi guys and welcome to the Meet Medic podcast. In today's episode we are doing a video on the top 10 questions that I get asked on a daily basis about the carnivore diet. So if you are interested in doing the carnivore diet or you're just curious, this is definitely the episode for you. Now just a quick note, if you are interested in starting the carnivore diet but you're really just not sure where to start, I do have a guide on starting the carnivore diet available, link in the description down below. Let's get into it. Question one, what should I eat? Sounds like a pretty simple question, but it's one I get asked all the time. Now there's a short answer and there's a long answer. The short answer is, well, basically anything that's an animal-based product. The long answer is, uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. So on the carnivore diet, you're primarily going to be eating animal-based foods like meat, fish, eggs, seafood, maybe dairy. I would recommend that you focus on high quality, ideally grass-fed, although the difference between grass-fed and grain-fed isn't that much, pasture-raised sources of meat where possible. Remember though, variety is key. We probably don't want to just be eating one thing all the time, no matter how tasty it is. If you're interested to see what happens if you eat one thing all the time, check out my episode on what happened when I ate ribeye only for 30 days. The results might actually surprise you. So ideally, we want a mix of animal proteins, a mix of animal meats. We typically want to be prioritizing the fatty cuts of meat. So we don't really want to be going for lean chicken, lean turkey, kangaroo. Here in Australia, we have a lot of kangaroo on sale. It is cheaper than beef, but we don't get the fat in it. And that's what we want. Personally, I mostly eat beef. I don't eat that much chicken apart from homemade chicken nuggets. Uh, very simple recipe. I'm going to be doing a video on that one soon. A little bit of chicken here and there. I eat mostly beef, a little bit of lamb here and there, and I tend to prioritize steaks. But basically, for the first 30 days at least, it's really just a good idea to just eat what you like eating. We don't want to change it up too much, and we definitely don't want you eating stuff that you just don't like. After that, look, you'll work it out for yourself. It's pretty straightforward. But yeah, if you are needing a little bit more guidance, I do have guides available with sample meal plans. Link in the description down below. Okay, number two. What about gout on the carnivore diet? Now, that's a really interesting question. And I actually see doctors also talking about gout on the carnivore diet. This comes up quite a lot on my social media platforms for doctors, like on my Facebook group and so on. Gout is a concern for some people, of course, and we are always told that red meat causes gout. The question is, does it actually cause gout? Well, if we look at the urate levels, which is typically what causes gout, there's not necessarily that much difference rather between the urate levels or urate producing levels in red meat, so like steak, like beef, for example, versus some vegetables and fruits can be just as high. And in fact, fructose can be converted in the body into uric acid. So if you basically don't burn off the fructose, you don't use it in your body, it will get converted essentially into uric acid. So if you're extremely active, yeah, fruit is probably okay for you on the whole. But if you're not, fruit is going to be bad for you. And this is one of the downsides of listening to some people out there. I know like Paul Saladino, Carnivore MD, who's talking about eating a lot of fruit and honey. I don't think he's really prefacing, prefacing in that with if you're metabolically unwell and not active, you do not want to be eating this stuff, which pretty much is the case. 
There's other things that can also cause gout as well. Now, oxalates are a big cause of gout, and it's one that we never really talk about. Conventional medicine just says, oh, it's just urate. It's red meat, it's alcohol, and it's seafood. That's all that causes gout. But there's other things that can cause gout as well, and oxalates are definitely one of them. Oxalates, we're basically getting almost no oxalates on the carnivore diet because we're just not eating the foods that contain oxalates. Again, another reason maybe to not venture into the fruit and so on as well. So the likelihood is you're probably not going to get gout on the carnivore diet if you've never had gout before. You're very unlikely to get it. If you've had gout, look, there's a chance that it can happen, especially in the early days. So when you're starting out, you might get a slight increased risk of gout because basically when you move to any kind of low-carb diet, your insulin levels will fall and this can precipitate the production of urate. So this can be an issue when you start, but it's very unlikely to happen down the line. In fact, I've got many patients who have gout who are on carnivore and don't have any problems at all, and it's actually basically cured their gout. Okay, number three, do I need to eat liver and organs? Okay, this is another big question I get. Now, again, there's people out there like Paul Saladino, Jerry Schwartz, you know, other people out there that are telling everyone that you must go and eat liver, especially raw liver. Um, look, I still maintain that we don't need liver on the carnivore diet or really other organs. If you want to, go ahead. By all means, I'm not going to stop you. Be my guest. Be aware though, especially beef liver does contain a lot of vitamin A, and this can be a problem. Excess vitamin A, hypervitaminosis, is potentially dangerous. And you go out into the North Pole, whatever, like you eat a polar bear's liver, you'll probably die because it's got so much vitamin A in it. So whilst it's nutrient dense, liver can cause hypervitaminosis if you're eating too much. And this can then cause things like vitamin A toxicity, which can then tank people's thyroid. You then need to end up needing carbohydrates because that can improve your thyroid function because it reduces the vitamin A in the body, essentially kind of soaking it up. And then your thyroid function returns to normal. And then you then say, oh, maybe I actually just need carbohydrates after all. And the carnivore diet isn't very good. Well, actually, that's really not the case. If you didn't have the liver, maybe you wouldn't have those problems in the first place. Now, you can be nutrient deficient in some things if you're not eating liver. And if you're wondering about that, look, I actually mentioned this in my video on the ribeye diet. I'll put a link in the description down below and I'll link it up there somewhere. Uh, basically, I became, became deficient in boron on that. And boron is contained in liver, so you will get a little bit, but not a great deal. But you can always take a boron tablet. Again, I'll put a link in the description down below for the one that I use. So the other big thing about this is the taste. A lot of people actually just don't like the taste of liver. I don't particularly like the taste of liver. It's not that nice. Oh, I'll eat it in a pate. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But just eating liver and the raw liver doesn't sound terribly appealing to me, to be quite honest. So there is that factor as well. If you don't like it, don't force yourself to eat it. If you are going to eat liver, I would actually recommend that you look at chicken liver rather than beef liver because it actually is more nutrient dense, tends to have more things like the folate and the boron and the zinc that we're looking for, and it has less vitamin A. And vitamin A can become toxic. So we do want to keep that relatively low. Okay, number four, do I need any supplements? Well, 
look, I try and do it so that we don't need supplements. Uh, I know I mentioned boron already, and again, there is a link in the description down below. But wherever I live in the world, in Australia, our soil quality is very poor. We are very much deficient in certain things like boron. And I've come to find that a lot of my patients, carnivore or not, they actually just need the addition of boron. Now, this is a big deal. I'm not going to go into it in great detail here, but some supplements can be useful on a carnivore diet. Now, you probably heard people talking about electrolytes like LMNT, keto chow, things like that. But some people absolutely swear by them. They say that they are game changing for them. And look, fair enough, if that's the case, all power to you. But I feel that we probably don't need many supplements on the carnivore diet. I do feel like it's probably the most complete diet out there, which is unusual because, well, not unusual, but it sounds a bit odd because it's actually taking a lot of food out of our diet. But when you take a lot of things out, you take out all the garbage, you actually reduce your requirements for a lot of other things. Like the vitamin C, that's a very good example. You reduce your carbohydrate intake, you need like 99% less vitamin C in your body. So it's a good example. Some things that you could benefit from, potentially from though, depending on where you are in the world, are things like vitamin D, if you're not getting a lot of sunshine, magnesium, especially here in Australia. I mentioned boron, of course, I think everybody really should be taking boron. Uh, Omega-3 fatty acids could be useful. Vitamin D, look, this is very useful for bone health, for immune function, for our hormone levels, incredibly important, particularly some places in the winter months like the UK, where I used to live, you know, Northern America and so on. Even here in Queensland in Australia, we call it the sunshine state. But like now, like 6 p.m., it's basically dark. So I'm not even getting any sun because I'm indoors all day. So I actually do take a bit of vitamin D in the winter months because I do have low levels. Magnesium, that can support muscle and nerve function. And again, it can be challenging to get from a carnivore diet. Although very interestingly, I know I've mentioned it a few times already, when I supplemented boron, that made all the difference for my magnesium levels. So definitely check out the boron. Uh, Omega-3s, you actually shouldn't need to supplement this if you're eating a good balanced diet on the carnivore diet. And that's why I tend to steer clear of pork and chicken because they are much higher in omega-6. Ideally, I'd go for the grass-fed, but even personally, like I can't afford grass-fed. It's too expensive. I actually just get Costco grain-fed. It's perfectly good. It's actually very tasty. Uh, and it's, it's important on my budget. I just can't afford the grass-fed. I don't think you need the grass-fed to get those omega-3s. Some people will turn to fish oil. I had a conversation with someone earlier. They're taking fish oil, flaxseed oil, a few other bits and pieces. Now, this is possibly causing them problems because the way that these things are produced are actually almost always rancid. And basically, that means they're very inflammatory and very damaging to the body. And we don't want that. So I would very much steer clear of omega-3 supplements. I would always try and get it in the food. Omega-3 is incredibly, incredibly unstable, very easily damaged. Almost all the supplements you're going to get are basically garbage. When it comes to omega-3s, get it in your diet. Okay, let's move on. Number five, can I drink coffee or tea? This is a big question. Especially here in Australia, look, a lot of people are pretty much just addicted to caffeine. And look, there's no judgment there. I certainly used to be as well, although the carnivore diet thankfully helped me to get off that. Honestly, my answer is, yeah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. 
we don't need to make this an absolute all or nothing diet. We don't need to make this super, super restrictive so that you just can't eat anything. Nobody wants to live a miserable life. That's not what we're about. Absolutely not. Now, bear in mind, of course, you know, coffee is a plant. It can be high in oxalates and it can sap your magnesium levels. While caffeine can be useful, it also can be detrimental for some people. So be mindful of that. Again, tea, the same thing. Is it likely to cause you any massive problems? No, it's not. If you absolutely have to have coffee to keep you sane, drink the coffee. I do not care. It is absolutely fine. We do not need to be super, super rigid on this diet. We don't. We don't need to throw out like 99% for absolute perfection because the reality is absolute perfection is not sustainable for most people. So if you want the coffee, drink the coffee. Absolutely. What I would say though is avoid sweeteners like the plague. Do not have artificial sweeteners. Absolutely terrible. If you're interested in a little bit more about erythritol, particularly, I do have an episode on that. I'll link it in the description down below. Otherwise, then you should be mindful of things like dairy. Bit of cream is not a bad idea, but we can sometimes get a bit heavy on the milk. So just be mindful of that. I wouldn't go drinking iced lattes every single day. Uh, okay, question six. How do I transition from a low carb or keto diet onto a carnivore diet? It's a great question. I do I get asked actually quite a lot because I do a lot of low carb work. Well, basically, I mean, look, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you basically just, if you're doing keto, you pretty much just cut out the vegetables. Like you're pretty much there. Uh, you're probably not eating fruit on a keto diet, pretty much by definition, because it's going to be too sugary. Uh, so you really just cut out the vegetables and you're like 99% of the way there, if not almost 100%. Uh, low carb, of course, you have to be a little bit more specific to it. The idea on the carnivore diet, for the most part, we are taking out all plants toxins. So we're taking out pretty much all plants or as much as possible. And we're really trying to limit the amount of artificial foods, additives, chemicals, and so on that we're putting in our food. Now, ideally, we should be doing that on a low carb and a keto diet anyway, but it's maybe just having that little bit more of a mind about what we're actually doing. So the transition from keto to carnivore is very, very simple. You just take out the plants. You probably will feel no negative effects. And the likelihood is that you're going to feel amazing when you do it. Low carb to keto look a little bit different. You might end up going through the keto flu, the keto rash, etc. Speaking of keto rash, I'm actually getting a keto rash after I had some fruit, which is really annoying, but I'm going to do another episode on keto rash because it's really annoying me. But it should be pretty simple to change from a keto to a carnivore diet. Okay, question seven. Can I do intermittent fasting on the carnivore diet? Well, yeah, you absolutely can. And many people actually do. Again, I've got an episode on this on fasting on the carnivore diet. I don't think it's needed particularly because carnivore gives you almost all the benefits of fasting and you just get to eat pretty much all the time, which is kind of nice. But most people that do carnivore, actually, they will end up naturally fasting a lot of the time. Most people I know on carnivore, they're doing maybe two meals a day, occasionally three. Look, today I had three meals. Day before I had two. Day before that I had one. Tomorrow I'm probably going to have a tomahawk steak, 1.2 kilos. I'm probably just going to eat that as my one meal of the day doing OMAD. It's variable. It's fluid. We don't need to be rigid on the carnivore diet. 
That is the simple fact. Very, very, very simple. We don't need to be too regimented. Find what works for you. Very, very simple. That's basically it. If you want to do fasting, absolutely go and do fasting. So just a quick note there. Some people, especially women, can struggle sometimes with fasting. And uh, there's a very good book, I think it's by Dr. Mindy Pels, if, I believe, if I've said her name right, called Fasting Like a Girl. If you're a woman particularly and interested in fasting, you may want to check that one out. I'll put a link in the description down below. Question number eight. How long can I do the carnivore diet for? And a variation to that one, how long am I going to do it for? Well, I mean, basically the answer to that second part, I always tell people the same thing, as long as I can. And as long as I feel healthy and I feel good doing it. And if I don't feel good doing it, I will stop. Pretty simple. And that's basically the answer to the first part as well. How long can you do it for? As long as you want to. As an absolute minimum, I would be suggesting at least 30 days to see the benefits, to experience the changes, and basically heal yourself. Some people might need at least three months, depending on where they're at in their own health journey. If they've got serious autoimmune conditions, ulcerative colitis, severe rheumatoid arthritis, these kinds of things, they probably need a bit longer, like the 90 days. Most people can probably do it for 30 days and be absolutely fine with it. It's pretty important that we do it long enough to actually see the benefits. I mean, people that don't get on with it, I see almost always, they just didn't do it for long enough. They just didn't persevere. They just thought, oh, it's going to be a day and I'm going to feel amazing. And then I just didn't feel amazing. So I stopped it and now I feel terrible. And they're complaining about the carnivore diet. You just need to give it time, at least 30 days. Incidentally, of course, that's why my guide to how to start a carnivore diet, link in the description down below, is a 30-day guide because that's just the time that we actually need to give it, usually as a minimum. The honest answer is you can go forever. The whole point of the carnivore diet is it's a primal evolutionary diet. We are eating what our ancestors ate. We are eating what we evolved to eat. That is never going to be an unsafe diet. We didn't evolve eating Twinkies and Fruit Loops and Cheerios. No, we evolved eating meat and fat. And that's what we're eating on a carnivore diet. So really the answer is you just keep going as long as you want to. Question nine, how do I track my progress on the carnivore diet? Well, look, tracking your progress, uh, this is a double-edged sword. I do track people's progress because like I'm a doctor and I'm seeing patients and we're monitoring weight, we're measuring waist circumference, we're tracking blood tests for metabolic health and so on. But for most people, I don't recommend that much monitoring and tracking of progress because basically it can kind of undo you and you can get into this negative psychology, this negative headspace if you're constantly tracking. So as an absolute maximum, I'd be recommending once a week to be checking your weight and once a week to be checking your waist circumference. Honestly, the weight, I don't even care about the weight for most people and weight can lie. Like when I started carnivore, my weight went up since I started carnivore. I've gained like five kilos, yet my waist circumference has gone down about 25 centimeters. I mean, <laughs> it's just unreal how much it's gone down. But this is the thing, the scales can lie. So waist measurement is much, much better for actually tracking your progress. Body composition is a really important factor as well. So basically look in the mirror 
take photos. Photos are a really good thing to do. I wish I took more photos actually so I could show people. But photos are really good because you can look back and you can see when you're having a bad day, you're feeling a bit despondent, you're not seeing the changes you think you should be seeing, you have a look back at those photos, I pretty much guarantee you're going to see the difference. And that is really, really powerful. Last question, number 10. This is a big one. What if I'm not losing weight on the carnivore diet? What do I do? If you're not losing weight on the carnivore diet, there could be a number of things going on. Now, number one, let's just go back a step. Is your weight not changing? but is your body composition changing? Now that's a really important thing because your weight might not go down, it might even go up like mine did. But if your waist circumference is going down, you're losing fat. Pretty simple. We don't care about the scales then, we just wanna lose that fat. We wanna get healthy metabolically, so that's a good thing. So the first thing is measure your waist circumference, check other body measurements, look in the mirror, take photos. Don't just rely on the scales. The second thing is though, we need to make sure that we're not purposefully overeating. Now, it's very unlikely that you're actually gonna gain weight overeating on the carnivore diet, because basically if you eat excess protein, it's probably gonna get burned off, this thing we call thermogenesis. If you eat too much fat, you're probably gonna poop it out. So it's unlikely you're gonna actually put on weight, but you might not lose as much weight as you think you would if you're purposefully overeating. Now, I don't really do calories as such. I generally recommend people stick to two grams roughly of protein per pound of lean body mass. So that's your, you know, kind of weight minus your fat basically. Uh, and that is a pretty good guide for how much to eat. And then we're typically prioritizing fatty cuts of meat like ribeye, porterhouses, you know, T-bones maybe, uh, chuck steak, things like that. Uh, so just make sure you're not overeating on the carnivore diet. The next thing is then to look at things like stress levels. Now, stress is a big, big factor. And I see this all the time. People who are struggling with their weight, they're still overstressed. Now, a carnivore diet is fantastic for stress. Absolutely amazing. It's totally changed my life when it came to stress. And I was already pretty good with my stress levels. But it's like I just have this barrier around me now where stress just kind of like bounces off me. Absolutely incredible, but it's not a magic pill. It's not a magic fix. You still might need to do other work on your stress levels. So again, if stress is a factor that can stop you losing weight, cortisol basically will drive you to keep weight. It will drive you to eat more food. It will drive you to eat bad food and it will make your body hold on to your fat. So if you're struggling with stress, definitely seek help. I do have other episodes on my YouTube channel, which you're more than welcome to check out on how to reduce your stress. Very simple things. I've also got an episode on earthing and grounding, which really can reduce stress levels. So make sure you check that one out. Okay, the final thing then is to think about what you're actually eating. Now, I've actually cut out dairy from my diet in the last couple of weeks. And I noticed I've lost a lot of weight in the last two weeks. And it really has made a big, big difference. And again, if you look back at my ribeye uh, episode where I just ate ribeye for 30 days, I lost a lot of weight doing that, yet I was eating a lot of food. I think a lot of that actually came from not eating dairy, to be quite honest. So if you're struggling with your weight, think about how much dairy you're eating. And if you are eating a fair bit of dairy, really cut it back. Cheese and milk really is the problem here. Butter's probably not the problem. It's going to be milk 
and it's going to be cheese, probably milk more than anything. So if you have to have milk, look, go to cream instead. It's probably much better for you. And the last thing I want to mention here really is boron. Now, I know I spoke about boron earlier before, but it really did make a big difference to me and my hormones. I've seen it a lot with patients on the carnivore diet. Now, probably more pertinent to Australia. We have very low levels of boron in our food, but it could affect the rest of the world as well. I've had a lot of people on my ribeye video commenting that boron has actually really helped them already, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm really glad it's helped people. Definitely think about a boron supplement if you're not losing weight, because this could be pushing up your SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin levels, if you have a low boron intake, and that can cause weight gain or it can cause tanking hormones, which can cause weight gain in itself. So it's a real problem. If you are interested in boron, again, link in the description down below. And the last point about weight, if you're struggling, go see a carnivore-friendly doctor. Now, again, if you're interested, I do have consultations available with myself, link in the description. Otherwise, look, find someone local to you, get on the phone with them, get on video chat, whatever it takes, find a carnivore-friendly doctor who knows what they are talking about when it comes to weight. It's very nuanced, and it's not just as easy as calories in, calories out. We know that doesn't work. So you need to talk to someone properly about how to lose weight. And again, I've got another video coming out very soon on weight loss and how our hormones help us to lose weight or how they interfere. Make sure you subscribe for that one. So that's it, guys. We've really covered the top 10 questions that I personally get asked on a day-to-day -day basis in my clinical practice. I hope this has been useful for you. If it has, smash that like button, share it around to your friends. Let me know in the comments down below if you found this useful. I'd also like to hear from you if you have any other questions for me, because I want to make content for the community. I want to make content that people want to hear, and I want to help people. So let me know in the comments, do you have any questions about the carnivore diet? Let me know. Otherwise, thank you guys for watching. Give me a thumbs up if you liked it. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for this. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help to spread the word that how, how we can improve mental and physical health through diet and nutrition. If you are interested in improving your own... Okay, let's just re-record that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meat Medic Podcast. If you found this episode useful, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help out the channel to grow. If you have found this useful and you want to improve your physical and mental health further, please do check out my website, themeatmedic.com, where you can find all my eBooks are currently 50% off with the code 50 off. That's code 50 off, five zero off, O double F, for 50% off all eBooks. Take care. Thank you. See you in the next episode.